In episode 18 of MobyCast, Chris leads a DockerCon session rollout. In particular, we discuss securing container-based deployments. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. What have you been up to this week, Chris? This week, I'm back on the ground um, after a couple weeks of, of traveling, um, going back and forth between Seattle and San Francisco. So um, kind of back in the office and getting back to a bit more of a, um, a normal schedule. Excellent. Nice to have you back and available for my everyday questions and queries over Slack. And how about you, Rich? What have you been up to this week? Uh, so I'm leaving for vacation a week from today, heading back home to spend some time on the beach and been thinking a lot about how this is probably the first, um, first time that I've been a week away from vacation and haven't been scrambling to get all the things done, uh, which I guess is just like sort of like a hat tip to, you know, putting process together and actually seeing them work out. So it's, it's a weird feeling cause I'm sort of like, what am I missing? You know, I'm so used to things just being not in line with this type of thing. So I'm waiting for the thing to pop oh, you don't up. Think you, ha- you don't think we don't have a, a list a mile long of things we've been waiting on for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably true. <laughs> you on a vacation? That's probably true. <laughs> I'm going to call you five days from now, Rich, and see if you have that same, same sense of tranquility. <laughs> I don't think I will. I don't think I will. I mean, things have already started to pop up where it's like, okay, now we're getting back into the more chaotic life than I'm used to, but it doesn't feel as bad. I, and I don't know if that's because of process or because of, you know, the calluses that you develop over time and just you handle the stress a little bit better. But one way or the other, I'm a week away from vacation, and I don't feel like everything's going to implode on top of me. So that's a good feeling. Okay, and okay. You know, as we're having this podcast, we're launching one of our largest sites, and that's not stressing me out either. So I, I, I guess things are good. Whatever they are, they're good. Excellent. And then I have uh, a brand new mountain bike. It's all good. It's called an Arithmo from a company called Ibis. And I've been on it every single day since I got it, except for one. And so I've been loving that. And then I also, I want to say, this is for you, Chris, actually, that I just have discovered that the coffee shop that I've been kind of poo-pooing because I felt like it was too urban for Mountainous Eagle turns out to have just such good coffee. Just so good. It's called Color Coffee and Eagle here. And I've been kind of looking the other way because we have another coffee shop called Yeti's that I'm pretty loyal to and they have great coffee too. Um, and I just didn't think that color coffee had, had the real mountain vibe, but I've been going there to meet a friend for bike ride, you know, before bike rides and two things happened. One, I noticed, Oh, I recognize that ultra endurance runner on, you know, in the huge picture on the wall. That's kind of cool and local. And then the other thing that happened was, uh, the, the barista guy was like, oh, hey, didn't I see you on Abrams Ridge riding your bike yesterday? And he and it turned out yes, because he was bombing down the hill, like so fast running. So I guess maybe it's legitimately pretty mountainy. So now, now I think I'm going to end up going there maybe even more often than Yeti. It is very good. So there's my commercial for Color Coffee. But here we are, already having spent five minutes talking about other stuff. Let's talk about Docker. Let's talk about containers. And uh, last week we talked about DockerCon. Chris was there. And, um, you know, the, the tone last week was kind of like, yeah, Docker is a changed company. It's not the source of all new innovation in, in the container world anymore. But, 
you know, that's not the only thing that happened at DockerCon. And some of the some of the sessions Chris has said were very good. So this week we're going to dive in and we're going to go into a topic that we've been avoiding at all costs because it's just it's it, you know I'll, I'll be honest it's not our our main focus at Kelsis. Um, we definitely like to write secure software, but we are not a security company per se. But uh, yeah, Chris is going to talk about one of the sessions related to security and Docker. So maybe get a launch us off somehow, Chris. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the, one of the things I, re- I really do like about the DockerCon conference is that the actual breakout sessions, the technical content, um, is almost. I mean, it's it's across the board. It's it's top notch stuff. So the the speakers that they have there um, doing these breakout sessions are usually um, just absolute experts. They um, just just really know what they're talking about and are able to go very, very deep technically um, with very ranging from pragmatic information to like um, almost uh, academic level um, uh, treatment of the, of the underlying technology. So um, this, this DockerCon didn't disappoint with that. Um, I will say one of the hallmarks of DockerCon is that they, each one of these sessions is about 40 minutes long and they probably cover three hours worth of material in that 40 minutes. And so it literally feels like you are drinking from the fire hose of, of expert knowledge um, that's just coming at you. And it's in this pretty fast, fast and furious for the most part. So um, I did my best to uh, kind of jot some notes down as I was attending these sessions. Um, and uh, as John mentioned, one of the uh, one of the sessions that was pretty interesting was was around security um, as it relates to containers um, and and how that um, how that might fit into um, your overall uh, software development life cycle. So this was a a session called um, "Don't Have a Meltdown: Six Practical Tips for Securing Your Container Based Deployment." Um, so obviously a little bit of a, a nod there to the um, to the Meltdown Inspector um, vulnerability issues that happened last year, I believe it was um, the, near the end of last year. Um, Good memory. I would, I would not have caught that, but maybe they mentioned it during the talk. They didn't. Um, but like, yeah, so, um, so pretty, pretty, pretty interesting there. Um, definitely very, very timely. Um, obviously security is, is, is a, a very um, at the at top of mind for, for anyone in the industry that, it's an ongoing issue. It's, it's an ongoing concern and whatnot. So this was, this was an interesting one. It was given by Justin Cormack, um, who is a, um, an engineer there at Docker and, um, also Liz Rice, who's a technology evangelist, um, at Aqua security. So, um, one internal, um, Docker person and one external, um, partner giving this talk. Um, and I've seen talks from Justin before. Justin is like a super <laughs> hardcore, technical technical guy i believe he came from a company that docker acquired that uh ended up becoming um docker desktop um for mac um and so um i've been to sessions where he's he's gone really deep into networking and and actually um security as well and um storage and device drivers and whatnot and uh Definitely very, very impressive on his on his breadth of of, of technical ability. Um, so yeah, so this this particular talk, what they did is they um, they approached the 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 topic of security um, kind of in a um, 
trying to make it analogous to a, a typical DevOps um, pipeline and, and trying to line up basically like what you can do in every one of these stages of your pipeline um, from a, from a security standpoint. So, you know, they specifically um, talked about the, you know, six stages um, of that, that software development um, life cycle um, and how, how security applies to it. So um, the six stages are um, code, test, build, um, host, run and observe. So these all kind of, um, uh, again, align with like what we typically, um, you know, see in the, in a life cycle. So you're, you're, you know, first stage, you're, you're coding up your, your application, you're writing the code. Um, what security aspects do you want to take into account when you're doing that? Um, after you've coded, you're now testing, um, what can you do during that testing phase? Then you need to build your your actual um, artifacts, your binaries. Um, what can you do there? Then you need to run your code um, on host. Um, how can you secure and harden those those hosts? Um, and then there's the actual um, execution environment itself. Like what what kind of um, options or configuration you're going to do for actually running that that container on that hardened host. And then finally, the observe is is basically that kind of that ongoing runtime analysis of, of what's, what's going on with your code um, and, and what you can do as far as things like uh, intrusion detection or um, anomalous sure. activity type thing and whatnot. Hey, this is Rich. You might recognize me as the guy who introduces the show, but is pretty much silent during the meat of the podcast. The truth is, these topics are oftentimes incredibly complex, and I'm just too inexperienced to provide much value. What you might not know is that John and Chris created the training product to help developers of all skill sets get caught up to speed on AWS and Docker. If you're like me and feel underwater in these conversations, head on over to prodockertraining.com and get on the mailing list for the inaugural course. Okay, let's dive back in. Question, Chris. Um, did they throw around the word DevSec at all? Um, in this particular session, I don't think they, they referred to, to, to that in particular. Um, okay. But... Um, I think I, I mean I heard it periodically throughout the conference, um, but um, definitely I don't think it's it's one of those things that kind of feels like it's still a bit um, a bit new, and people are still trying to figure out exactly like what that means um, as right. opposed to something like DevOps is something that's pretty straightforward now, and we've been living with that for a while, and, and, and just about everyone agrees what that means. Right, right. Yeah, I I, I just. To just take this short tangent, um, I like the term because it sort of puts the responsibility of security back on developers. And it's and it kind of ties into what I said at the beginning of this episode, which is, you know, we're not a security company per se, but that doesn't mean we're not responsible for security. And it doesn't mean that we, we aren't held, to, you know, our feet aren't held to the fire for making sure that our software that we write is secure. Um, so, yeah. I, that the talk itself seems to be about uh, you know teaching developers how to do things all the way through in a secure way. Yep, absolutely. So it's it's you know again it's the they're kind of pitching is these are the the practical tips that you can do in every one of these um, these stages of your software development lifecycle. Um, and so maybe with that we can we can dive into that first step, um, which is the the coding phase, if you will, and 
what kind of things you can do there. And so they, they specifically mentioned, um, pointed out, you know, there's, there's, they kind of saw two main things you could do there. Um, one is you could take advantage of code reviews. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, and the other thing they mentioned was, um, take advantage of, of static analysis tools. And, uh, you know, this is uh, the static analysis tools, definitely something that, um, I think, you know, just about everyone building software is using, um, whether it be in the form of a linter, um, or, um, sometimes, you know, doing metrics like code complexity metrics or whatnot, but they, they pointed out GitHub's like suddenly starting to email everybody. They're doing their own static analysis on your code and letting you know about it, which is kind of, it's like a service to the world. Really? Have you not been getting those from GitHub? I have not received any emails now about that. Oh, interesting. So <laughs> I'm I've been that. getting these. Are you seeing that too, Rich? I've been yeah, getting so these whenever uh, we security have audit updates. Yeah. I, I, like once a week, I get a security audit update from GitHub that just goes through each of my repositories uh, on GitHub and tells me what libraries are in there that have security vulnerabilities and, and what what I should do about it. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, um, and that'll actually... Um, in, in one of these later phases, I think um, we'll talk about um, probably that in a bit more because there there definitely is a, there's a difference between the um, the the static analysis um, tools that are actually looking at the code that you're writing, interpreting it, and trying to find um, patterns or idioms that that may make it more vulnerable from a security standpoint, and then you have the um, kind of the module package um, scanning um, and or even binary scanning type thing where there's published list of, of known vulnerabilities like, um, you know, CVE, um, the CVE list. Um, and they'll go and, you know, you can do scans against that type thing. And there's, there's lots of, of options in that space as well from a lot of different vendors. Um, the thing that was interesting about this is that... Um, with the static analysis, um, again, most of the tools um, out there that we're used to are kind of more along the lines of linting or finding, um, you know, kind of like uh, enforcing code style, um, maybe sometimes finding like simple bugs and whatnot. Um, they talked about a particular one called GAS, um, which is a static analysis tool for for Go apps. Um, and this one kind of was 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 interesting in that it was actually looking for um, security um, prob- problematic code dealing with security issues, whether they be things like SQL injection, um, being vulnerable to SQL injection, that kind of thing. So it, it was definitely much more um, focused on um, security issues with your code, with your actual code that you're writing. Um, so a pretty interesting tool. Um, again, unfortunately, it's it's it is for Go, and um, we are not really um, ourselves writing any any Go um, apps. But it's something that's definitely on my to do list to see if there's um, analogous tools out there for for things like Node and 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 perhaps Rails um, as well. So so pretty interesting tool. Um, definitely go go check that out. Very cool. Um, and then the other, like I said, the other thing they talked about was code reviews and um, definitely a firm believer in this um, to, uh, you know, w- this is something that we do here at Kelsis is um, we're pretty, 
we're pretty consistent with our code reviews um, and have other folks on the team look at the code that's being that's being committed um, and um, uh, kind of always keeping an, uh, an eye towards like the security posture of that code and, and making sure that we're we are doing the right things. Um, and so they just um, kind of reinforce this point that that's something that um, you definitely it's a, it's a good point that that's a that's a good place to do that and to kind of make that part of the culture that when reviewing the code, it's not just for the, you know, is it conforming to what the feature is supposed to do or is it, is it um, robust, but also like how secure is it? Great. Yeah. I, I like, I have a logic sandwich now that I, that I always keep in my mind for code reviews, which is, Oh, you're so, you know, it's either on one side, Oh, you're so smart that you don't need code reviews. Well, wouldn't somebody else benefit from your intelligence? That's the one side. And the other side is, Oh, well you still have stuff to learn. Wouldn't you benefit from somebody looking at your code? Like there's no winning. You can't, you can't be too smart or too dumb for code reviews. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Cool. So what's next? So the next one um, is that, so now we've got through the coding phase is now that, you know, the next step would be testing. And so this is, uh, I kind of talked about testing as a, it's not, you know, in addition to doing maybe your unit testing or integration testing, this is, you know, actually think of security testing as its own, as its own discipline. Um, and so in one example they, they gave was there's a tool out there called, um, test SSL. Um, and you know, this is just a kind of a, um, a tool out there that helps automate, does a bunch of tests against code making requests over, over SSL TLS. And it's, um, looking to see what versions of, of TLS and, um, that your code is allowing. Right. So like, um, you know, does it allow TLS one Oh, which is definitely vulnerable and your code shouldn't be using. So they gave, this is just one of those examples of like, why, you know, why not integrate this in with your, with just your, your, your entire process. It's like these tools exist out there. Um, and you know, treat security testing, just, just, just as important as, you know, other, other forms of testing, whether they be unit or integration testing. What was the name of that tool again, Chris? It's called test SSL. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a drop in, uh, for maybe, maybe is it also for go or is it a drop in for kind of any environment? No, this is actually, it's a collection of, of, uh, bash scripts. Um, and so you can find it on, it's on GitHub. Um, it's open source, um, it's actually been around for, I think, a long time. It's got a, a, a long, robust commit history to it. Um, and so it's standalone and it doesn't, it's totally language agnostic, right? Cause it's, 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 this particular tool is testing the, um, SSL and, and TLS protocols type thing. So it's just making connections, um, you know, over those, those protocols to however you, you know, whatever it is that you want to go and, and test. So very much agnostic to, to platform. Super interesting. Of course, my mind immediately is going, can you wrap that into, you know, your Circle CI testing pipeline or is that something you have to do separately? It would certainly be nice if it could just run automatically. Yeah, like I said, I mean, this is, it's just a, it's just a tool you can think of it as, you know, like a, a you can absolutely, you know, wrap it with some with a script of your own to to kick it off and to configure it and whatnot. So there's there's absolutely no reason why this can't be part of your automated testing done by your CI platform. 
um, mm. and just make it make it part of that thing. So as you so just as we run automatically run unit test and integration test um, as we're doing our builds in our in our in Circle CI, um, you could also have another phase for now we're going to do our security testing and so let's go run test SS test SSL against um, you know our node backend service um, type thing so. Right, right. Of course, we, we do have a little bit of issues there, right? Because um, for us, it's kind of interesting because we do TLS termination um, with AW, with, with, at the ELB um, since we're on, yeah. we're on AWS, right? So we're actually not doing TLS at our, at our microservice level, although that's something that it's on the, the to-do list for us to change. So um, instead of terminating at the, the ELB, I think we we want to go towards having um, being encrypted in flight throughout the entire the entire data center and use private certs um, on our microservices. So once we do that, then this would be very applicable. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Um, after after just having spent a little bit of time kind of arguing with somebody that it's okay, it's okay, we can terminate at the ELB. I'm I'm interested to see how much extra work it is for us to not do that um, and whether we can sort of streamline that and make it an easy thing to do for all of our clients. Cause we certainly love, you know, being able to use AWS certs and, and uh, putting those in, like get, you, you can't get them out of AWS, right? So putting them into your own code could be, you know, onto your own containers could be tricky. True. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, as we've talked about before, AWS is constantly innovating. Um, their certificate manager now does private certs. Um, but, uh, yes. So, uh, <laughs> of course, I swear, it, like we had this conversation like four or five months ago, and that was not, you know, maybe it was even longer ago than that because time seems to have compressed for me. But that certainly wasn't the case always. So I'm, I'm stoked. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Of course, we still have the problem, right? Like if you're running on Circle CI, um, you're not running inside AWS. So how do you get that private cert? In right, right, so, right. So, there, so there's some issues there, but, yeah. um, but all, 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 all those things are, are definitely doable. And I don't, I think there's, there's a, there's a straightforward path for, for doing it without going through too many hoops and, and it's all good. I mean, I, I think, you know, um, having it is more secure to terminate at the service instead of at the ELB. You know, as much as you try to make a nice argument that terminating at the ELB is just fine, it's nice to have everything all the way to the to the code be encrypted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So maybe we can stop it there. We just finished talking about coding and testing uh, from a from doing it in a secure way, and next time we can move on to the other four. Thanks all right. Sounds, sounds good. And thank you for your time, Chris. And thanks for your time, Rich. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Later. See you guys. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash one eight. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you. And we'll see you again next week.